0: What do app developers need to know about the law? Imagine you are developing an app for a phone or maybe it's for something else. You're probably wondering, what are the areas of the law that I should be paying attention to, that I should learn about? These are gonna be areas like, how do I start a company? What intellectual property information should I consider? And what about bringing on investors? I'm gonna talk about each one of those topics today. I'm Aaron Hall, an attorney for business owners and entrepreneurial companies. If you don't have my free cheat sheet yet, which helps you avoid common legal problems for new companies, you can get it at AaronHall.com free. It's a free download, then you get some additional videos as well. All right, so you're an app developer or you're about to develop an app maybe it's for Android or iPhone or some other platform, and you're saying to yourself, okay, I understand the code, but what about the law? What do I need to know here? I'm gonna talk about an overview of issues for you to discuss with your attorney, or perhaps you're doing it on your own, but at least I wanna help educate you and empower you so you can minimize legal fees, minimize legal risk, and protect yourself and especially this investment that you are building. All right, probably highest on your priority is thinking about intellectual property. What intellectual property information do app developers need to know? Well, first copyright. Copyright applies to your code. Whatever you code you own the copyright too unless you got some of the code, like a snippet or something from another developer or another source. They may own that. If they own it, you need a license to use it. So that essentially just means you need permission to use it. And then once you develop your code, you have a copyright in it. In the United States, you don't have to actually register the copyright in order to have a copyright. Registration gives important benefits like being able to sue somebody for infringing on your copyright. But you can merely have a copyright without it being registered. How do you get a copyright? You simply create something. An artist automatically gets a copyright whenever they create anything. And I'm using that term uh, artist liberally. When you create code, when you paint a painting, when you draw a picture, you get the copyright in it. It's called the common law copyright. There are some exceptions to this. For example, if you work for an employer and this is part of your job, it's within the scope of your duties, your employer is getting the copyright, not you. Okay, so we've talked about the copyright for the code. Let's now talk about trademarks for apps. Think about it this way. If you own some cows in a field and they get out, How is somebody else going to know whose cow that is if they don't know the cow? Well, you can put a brand on the cow. Cows are branded with some sort of a mark. That might be a logo. It might be a name. But there's something about that cow that indicates this cow came from this farm. That little analogy helps you understand how trademark works. Again, that's different from copyright. The idea behind copyright is protecting the creative work of an artist. The idea behind trademark is helping the public and the owner of goods or services associate the goods and services with the owner, with the provider. So you're an app developer, you can have a logo, you can have a little icon, you can have a name. All of those are different brands or marks, if you will. And in the United States, just by using them, as long as you're not infringing somebody else's mark, you get a trademark. Now that's a common law trademark. It's not a registered trademark. What's the difference? Well, as soon as you start using a mark associated with your goods or services, you acquire a common law trademark for that mark in your county. But if you want it nationwide, and you want all the other rights that go along with registering a trademark, that's when you're going to register a trademark with the US Patent and Trademark Office. By the way, quick pointer here, don't get a state trademark. It's worthless, or almost worthless, because federal trademark law in the United States trumps all state trademark law. So what matters is federal. Okay, so what do we do with that knowledge? You may want to get a registered trademark for an icon, a logo, a name, or any other kind of brand mark. Or you might wait for a little while to actually do a registered trademark and just rely on the common law trademark for a little while. We've talked about copyright. We've talked about trademark. By the way, copyright, if you wanna register it, you can do that yourself. All you do is send in some information to the Copyright Office. There's a little form that you can fill out online. Trademark is not as easy. Generally, you do wanna hire an attorney for a trademark registration, and that attorney is gonna to talk to you about the possible benefits of a trademark search and the costs associated with that so you can decide whether that makes sense for you. It may also make sense to have an attorney familiar with some basic marketing principles and branding principles so that the attorney can raise concerns if whatever you are thinking about registering might have some business problems or you can go to a branding expert for that. Okay. Common app developers need to think about copyright. They need to think about trademark. Now, let's talk about the next category, contracts. You need to have some sort of terms of use or written agreements. What's that gonna do? Well, it's going to protect you if somebody misuses your app or relies on your app in the wrong way. It really depends on what kind of app you have. If it's providing medical information, I'd be much more concerned. If it's a photo editing app, you're not as likely to get sued if somebody misuses the app. Okay, so that's contracts. That's going to be your user agreements, etc. If you have employees, a whole host of other issues that's beyond the scope of what we're talking about today, you also need to think about registering a business entity, an LLC, or a corporation is generally what you're gonna pick. And most likely it's going to be an LLC. Maybe you would do an S corporation. I've got another video on how to pick S corporation versus LLC. The other issue you might be thinking about is investors. You're thinking about how am I going to bring in some funding to launch this app? Maybe you're a coder, but you need somebody to do the marketing and branding and build the user base. Funding accomplishes that, and if you need funding, your options are bank loan. When you go to the bank, you can talk to them about an SBA loan. SBA is the Small Business Administration in the United States. Those loans from the SBA are provided through local banks, so the best way to learn more is to go talk to your local banker. I prefer not working with the big national banks that you see advertised on TV all the time. Pick a local bank with a smaller profile because it's more relationship based and less advertising based and kind of a big consumer brand. You want more of a business relationship where they can get to know your business and understand it. So you can get funding through a bank, but what about other investors? Maybe you're going to have a partner who brings a different skill set, SEO. PPC, pay-per-click, the online advertising, social media, or something else. I think it's a great option to do, but there are a lot of risks involving other owners or other investors. By the way, owner-investor means the same thing. Anybody who's an investor is an owner and vice versa. In an LLC, they're often called members because that's the term LLC laws uses in a corporation, they're often called shareholders. I like the term owner though, because it doesn't matter which entity we're talking about here. So owner or investor, you want to bring them on. Well, you're gonna talk about a number of things. Of course, the obvious, how much are they contributing as far as money, what about labor, what about expertise, any sort of context? What are you contributing? And then when the business is profitable, how do we divide the profits? Who gets to decide what portion of revenue is gonna be spent on future expenses or invested in the future versus distributed to the shareholders or the owners? What if you have disagreements? How are we gonna work that out? And then, how are you gonna work it out when somebody leaves one day? Because we know everybody's gonna leave a business someday. Maybe it's death. Maybe it's bankruptcy. Maybe it's incapacity. Maybe it's you don't get along anymore. Maybe one decides to retire. Maybe it's on great terms. By the way, if people leave on great terms and they can work out an arrangement and an exit plan at that time, that's great. That's the best case scenario. You really don't need a contract in place if you know it's gonna work out well. But often it doesn't work out well and that's why we have a contract. Also, even with trusted friends and family members, one value of drafting a good contract among the owners at the very beginning is it sets expectations. For example, what is your expectation as far as what, how much time and work each person is going to contribute to the business? And then, can they make adjustments over time? And how does that affect how much they're going to be compensated in wages? So, as you can see, business owners have a lot of issues to think through in the beginning if they're going to have partners or investors or other owners. That is a great time to involve a business attorney because, in my experience, the greatest potential for legal problems in a business with multiple owners is frustrations that arise over time because the business owners veered in their perspectives on something. Sometimes that happens with spouses where a spouse will sway a business owner one way or the other, or they'll need to move. And sometimes it's just changes in life, changes in life philosophy, or you get older, you get more mature, you enter new stages of life, like having kids, buying a home, retirement, passing away of loved ones, significant life events that cause you to reassess your values and priorities in life. It is frequent that business owners who start out aligned later end up with divergent interests. And so that's why setting up a framework in the beginning for resolving those issues and a healthy process for avoiding potential problems is really helpful. That involves the legal piece, but also another process like Traction EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system developed by Gino Wickman. That provides a great business approach with routines in place so that business owners can stay in sync and work out issues as they arise. So today we talked about trademark, copyright, contracts, We touched on a little bit employees, type of entity like LLC or corporation, typically that's gonna be an S corporation. And then we talked about business owner agreements, an agreement among multiple owners to resolve issues and to try to keep a healthy relationship. And then of course, upon departure, have a smooth process and framework in place for that. If you don't already, get my emails with other educational videos and you haven't gotten the free resource that I have on avoiding legal problems, you can get it at aaronhall.com free. I'm Aaron Hall, a business attorney for entrepreneurial companies and business owners. If you like more educational content like this, I invite you to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and I look forward to getting to know you better as I continue to provide more educational content. By the way, if you have questions, you're welcome to put them in the comments section below. I look at those and use those to create new videos in the future.